When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talking, the URS Weekly Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson. And Anne, you are still over here on the East Coast. And uh, we've been having a nice time together, kind of face-to-face in the run-up to Cannes. We took a little break from the movie beat and uh, saw a play uh, last weekend, which was a lot of fun. And um, you've been seeing a lot of shows, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the Music Man with my daughter, which was great fun because we're an old we're old fans of that musical. And of course, Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster are, you know, playing to every person in that room. You know, it's it's a it's a big, fat mainstream Broadway musical, and it was totally enjoyable as such. And uh, and then and then there was um, the minutes that you and I went to see. Uh, I went to the opera. Uh, I saw Lucia de Lammermoor, <laughs> three acts, tragic, brought into the modern Rust Belt. That was Intense. fun. <laughs> went to the Met, but um, the minutes was was um, that's a play which I would suggest uh, is better the least you the the less you read about it ahead of time. I knew that it had some topical, hard-hitting political points to make, but um, I really didn't know how it was going to unfold. Uh, It's this unprepossessing uh, city council meeting, you know, with everybody reacting to each other and some mysterious thing happened at the meeting that this young man uh, missed. And I just um, sat there like you did. We we had a great time. Yeah, it was it was great to see a show like that. Tracy Letts, obviously a master of theater and doesn't waste a second. It's it's a 90 minute play and it just keeps moving. But at the same time, it just lets you kind of like sit with and there's a lot of people on stage and everybody kind of gets their moment. And then without spoiling anything, it just gets really wild at the end. And I didn't didn't expect any of that uh, because it's it's so grounded for a long period of time. And part of it is the it's yeah. So it starts in a sort of 12 angry men sitting around, you know, reacting to each other kind of thing. They're they're women there, too. But bureaucracy. um, but but it 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 it, the, it was a Stephen Wolf uh, production, so they they started it in 2017 in in Chicago, and so they know what they're doing and they've got it down and and there's some stagecraft involved. They never change the set, but they do um, do a kind of um, uh, their stories within stories. Let's put yeah, it some way. reenactments of sorts. It's very innovative. I'm always impressed by the physical challenge of theater, you know, when you, when you spend so much time watching movies and TV, it takes you out of the, 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 the kind of demands of theater that to see, I mean, I didn't see music, man, but to know that Hugh Jackman was singing, is singing and dancing on stage thousands of times. And in this play, the kind of physicality, I mean, it's not quite as demanding, but it's still a lot of coordination with different people on stage and they, they just keep going. And they're out. all, 
alert and react. I mean, Austin Pendleton has this extraordinary comic timing, Blair Brown, you know, they're, they're all really good. And, and of course, uh, Tracy Lutz, uh, it's fun. It's fun. And, and, and it's, it's just great to be on Broadway and, and, you know, Tony season is coming upon us and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to watch how it, how it plays out. And Emmy season is coming upon us and, and, can season is coming upon us but in the meantime we got some screenings underway so I you and i um I that was quite a day you from did, uh, from the minutes the to ferry. <laughs> so eric lives in long island city and looks back at manhattan across the east river and there are ferries going back and forth and we took one on a beautiful spring day across to 34th street and then we we were worried about getting to our screening on time so we slept well this is actually a, a side note about the new york exhibition scene is that we've had uh, one alamo draft house for a while that's in Brooklyn. And then recently we got another one in Wall Street. And I was operating under the assumption that we were going to the one in Wall Street. Because that was closer. That <laughs> <laughs> and then realized we actually needed to go to Brooklyn. And we made it on time, but that's a new thing. We have two Alamos in New York. So anyway, we so got there to Brooklyn. I was in a movie theater, you know, a little bit spaced away when you have tables and big chairs and everything, but, you know, chowing down uh, with no mask in, in the theater. And, and uh, so, so we saw Alex Garland's um, The Men. Uh, the, it's a movie called Men. And even not though a, I stayed, not a gay love story, is it? No, I stay hardly. No, I stayed for the it's very British. It's set in the countryside in Britain. And this woman, Jessica Buckley, is recovering from uh, the possible suicide of her of her partner, her husband. And so she's a widow and she's coping. And this is the classic thing. Why would you go alone <laughs> to a lonely, uh, you know, uh, house in the country. Uh, but, but she, she's having some issues. <laughs> yeah. But also, <laughs> you know, say. she, she wanted to set herself up to be the final girl in an unexpected heart. There you go. Season. There you go. So That's in essentially that sense, what it is. <laughs> Garland is playing with old tropes and he's trying to refresh them. I, I grant you that he's a very, very, um, adept filmmaker and he knows what he's doing and he's playing around with with all those um horror tropes but there was a q a afterwards which amused me because he kept saying well it's not really a horror movie it 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 has some elements of a horror movie this is what a real horror movie is and this one's different and and it, it it's about feelings of horror <laughs> I was like, he's the kind of guy who plays with the semantics of of language and and gets himself into all kinds of philosophical uh, debates. Yeah, and doesn't love to explain what he's up to anyway, although it's worth noting because he's got a real fandom, starting with Ex Machina, continuing with Annihilation, which was underappreciated, you know, commercially, but certainly had a a lot of appreciation um, critically. And then Devs, those are all hard sci-fi movies. Devs I really enjoyed, actually. I thought that was great. And I thought Annihilation was ambitious and fantastic. I loved Annihilation. Involved with, but not entirely successful. But let and but I'm a huge me, fan of Ex Machina, of course. But but these so these three films are hard sci-fi. If you go into men expecting something like that, it could be frustrating because it's actually, and this is the one time that I think in the QA he he allowed himself a little bit of self-explanation he's playing with surrealism more than that is fair 
And then, so, so it's not, a, it's more about kind of this like psychological disarray that this woman is experiencing and all this crazy stuff starts happening to her because she's terrified of all these men and she gets stalked by someone really creepy. And is, is there some kind of supernatural thing going on? We don't know, but the cinematic trickery, I mean, whether or not you find the movie satisfying as a whole, there's a lot of, a lot of impressive stuff that he does about kind of her perspective on things. The lights go out and the whole scenario changes around her and then some really wild stuff. It kind of has an under the skin quality in a while, in a way I felt towards the end. Yeah, that's not bad. Some people have compared it to Von Trier. Um, I'm not sure I would I don't know go about all that. that way. Yeah, um, it's not a pure I, provocation. It's it, it has real things going on about this woman trying to get past a traumatic moment in her life, uh, but it does it in, in certain ways that I think will definitely... And Rory Kinnear is her uh, main adversary there. Uh, yeah. And he's always fun to watch. Um, I would say in, 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 the, in the end, um, you, you know, expect, expect a minor garland and you'll be fine. A minor garland well i mean what is it there's no there's no uh there's what's a major garland here ex machina and it's the slide yeah, from yeah. there yeah maybe i mean i i'm i'm curious to see how it does commercially too because i feel well, like there's a part of me that wonders if this isn't a, a conscious choice on his part to try to make a commercial genre film even if he's embarrassed to admit wow. that that's what he's doing. i don't know i mean yeah what is commercial in this case he came up for that q a for like a day because he's actually on set shooting his next movie civil war which from what i've heard is actually a more um traditional film by by his standards but it is a movie that i think is perhaps accessible to people in the sense that it's one character one location basically the the pandemic trope that we've gotten used to in that sense and it's pretty straightforward in terms of what she's going through but commercial i mean what even is commercial it does have a special no, screening spot it, it can Yes, no, this is what I was going to talk about. I, I found it interesting that A24, which which has like eight movies it can, chose to debut this so early here and, in, in, you know, with a lot of people and a little party afterwards and everything, Q&A. And then, uh, then they're taking it to Cannes in director's fortnight, not in the right. competition. Right, in a special screen. So that so launches it anyway. already that this wasn't, you know, going to be a, a major garland, I'm trying <laughs> to say. So, um, so well, I have but, You know, it is, it is true that, um, this, that there was a template for this. So they launched Midsommar this way, where this, they did the same thing. They had a special screening at Draft House, and it was simulcast at other Draft Houses. So it kind of eventized the launch of the movie without the festival. Oh, I think this is adept and, and good marketing, but you, you, this is a case where they're not saving the big the big reveal for Cannes. They're not making right. a big event out of Cannes. They're using Cannes as a European launch. I talked to them. Right. at. The, they're very happy at A24, everything, everywhere, all at once, and all the other, you know, they're doing very well Killing. right now. So, yeah. so they're sort of, uh, you know, on a high, um, but, but they're, that's what the plan is, to launch it in Europe out of Cannes. So why don't we talk about, I mean, this has been a frustrating week for a lot of people because of the, the news surrounding Roe and the Supreme Court. It also just so happens that there's this movie opening happening, which you did a story about. And we've talked about happening before because obviously it was one of three potential French Oscar submissions. And which went then, to Titan, which and, went and to then, Julia de But when the film won uh, Venice, it was acquired by IFC Films. And I think... That given that it, they, 
we're not in a position to run an Oscar campaign for it, rightly decided to reposition it at this time of the year and it opened new directors, new films. So it we... happens to be more timely than it was in Sundance. Also, it played uh, in the special program. Yes, there. And now suddenly it's Spotlight program. All this so stuff. here we are. Yeah. And it's 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 such a good movie. And I thought it would have done better with the Oscars than than to 10, which was just too outrageous for for the voters. This is this is a an immersive, uh, horrific, harrowing story and it takes you inside um, the head of this uh, student, 23 years old, 1963, who is forced to pursue on her own, utterly alone with no support from any source, um, an illegal abortion because she wants to continue her studies and pull herself out of the working class by becoming um, more uh, a, a university grad, a, 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 a professional, and she's a, and a writer. And and so she, uh, it's a it's a really internal, private, almost silent journey that she goes through. And the filmmaker Audrey Dewan just does a fantastic job with the cinematographer of, of with this um, 137 aspect ratio of just pulling people into her orbit and helping uh, us experience what she goes through, which is pretty damned. Uh, it's a thriller. It's you don't know what's going to happen to her. You don't know what horrors await her. It's, it's one of several recent films that deal with abortion that I think will now suddenly have a different kind of resonance. I mean, never rarely, sometimes always, which just came out two years ago. You know, that, that was a film that uh, was really specific about the, the challenge of needing to get an abortion in a state where you couldn't get one and what it was like to trap what it's like say for someone a minor to travel and to, that was more contemporary yeah right? so yeah. so then you have that you have there Lindy. are a lot of states where it's very difficult now even for her for her uh, she wasn't breaking the law she was just finding an available abortion um and and that's there's a this is the worst case scenario where it's against the law right you, know? you have a different law and then there well, I think that's sort of what's significant about having a, a bunch of different films that deal with this is that you see all the different kinds of categories that, uh, of challenges here. I mean, the Lingui, the Sacred Bronze, which is uh, Muhammad Saleh Harun's film. I mean, and that's the Danes, deeply uh, dangerous. And the the, the 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 movie that Elizabeth Banks starred in in, in uh, Sundance. There were three. Which hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. Sundance. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a, it's a, it's all too timely and all too horrifying. Uh, and it's just so upsetting. Uh, I hope people go to see it. I hope people understand what, what's, what, that this is important, important of what could happen to us. Yeah. I mean, I also think that, I mean, it's, it's interesting if you go back and look at 10, that 10 year anniversary of Juno that the Oscars reminded us of uh, the narrative around um, you know, this trope of the pregnant woman who decides at the last minute not to um, not to go through with it, how dated that is now, because people realize there are a multitude of reasons why someone might not want to or even be capable of going through with a pregnancy, which is why it's just so at odds with the direction that that this the court is pushing our country. So 
um, I hope people get involved, but I also, you know, look at the movies because they're, they're making the case right now. Um, so what other movies do we have to talk about? There's a couple of Gaspar Noe films. <laughs> Go ahead, answer. Eric. All yours. I I am um, a I am a fan of Irreversible, one of the great movies. But oh, really? Vortex, right? Vortex. Well, is I was going to say Irreversible. You should see the 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 version that he re-edited chronologically uh, that apparently made the rounds at the festivals last year. But I don't think it came out over here. But um, I did see him on Friday because I moderated Q and A, and and he was he was all giddy about doing that. Um, yeah. So Vortex is a really strong film um, with that uh, with Francois Lebrun and um, Daria Argento as an older couple um, kind of dealing with the ch- challenges at the end of their life, senility, uh, heart problems and different kinds of things, but also problems with their marriage. And the whole thing is shot split screen in a really remarkable kind of way because it's not ostentatious. It, it allows you to kind of sit with these these dueling experiences in a, in a really incredible kind of experimental gamble that pays off. Um, but then Lux Eterna is a film he made before that, which actually is opening this week. And that's just a batshit insane Gaspar Noe movie. I can't even begin to, to describe it to you, but people should go see that one. It's, uh, it's as long as you're okay with stroboscopic effects, it's quite a ride. So it's nice to have stuff like that coming out because people are going to the movies. I mean, when I was at IFC center for vortex, it was packed. I mean, people are out there and they're seeing things. It's not just everything everywhere or bust. Um, so it was actually nice to see that oh, there is, so the art house scene is, is, is sort of revving its engines and there's a lot of stuff that's coming out. In the meantime, there's also Dr. Strange, which um, I don't know what that I is what I would have me. seen in New York with you this week, but I'm not there. So I missed it. Well, what I can tell you is that um, it's very much a Sam Raimi movie. It's still very much a Marvel movie. And uh, anyone who's terrified of spoilers should know that of all the Marvel movies, this one is almost designed to, to be, uh, unspoiled because there's a lot of stuff that happens that's sort of supposed to have a surprise quality, but it's not what I enjoyed about the movie. You know, this or that cameo was, was, was not nearly as interesting as Raimi doing weird gothic stuff that reminded me of Evil Dead. And, you know, the guy hadn't made a movie in a while. I wouldn't say it's his best piece of filmmaking, but it certainly you can see his voice in it. Um, and, you know, I hope you get a chance to see it before can. But uh, it's kind of an open question at this point, right? I, I might. I might be able to. But um, next week, I'm going to see a lot. I'm going to see Top Gun, I'm gonna, Maverick. I'm going to see uh, Downton Abbey. Um, and there's a lot of can, pre-can screenings, too. Yep, um, yep. We'll Living in a lot of worlds at once there. Before so, we get there. So we wanted to save some time to talk about TV stuff because it is Emmy season. And... You know, as much as we are creatures of film, there's a lot of TV worth tracking right now. So what's been uh, consuming your time? I have to do some interviews um, for Emmys. So I I interviewed Cynthia Nixon yesterday, um, an inveterate New Yorker who has two big uh, series that she uh, is is campaigning for. One is... um, and just like that, where she co-stars with Sarah Jessica Parker and, and mm-hmm. goes back to her character, Miranda, and basically comes out as gay in the, in the movie, falls in love with a, a, 
home and and leaves her husband and goes through all sorts of 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 stuff and 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 then the gilded age where she's uh one of two sort of old school uh along with christine baranski um high wasp <laughs> protectors of the of the of the of the old school traditions um that are being sullied by a woman played by carrie uh coons uh a wife of a, a magnate a new wealth uh assaulting old wealth um and we had a good time we had a good time talking about that and then but it's emmy season it's time to do these all these features and and bring people back to to what the big shows are going to be in in the emmy race uh i'm i'm catching up with tokyo vice in which ansel elgort is actually quite good um I think I think he's somebody that I've been hot and cold on in in various. I loved him in, well, in Baby Driver. West Side uh, Story would seem like it, he was not sort of the the lead. He was item. solid, but not exemplary uh, or 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 particularly um, charismatic. But he is charismatic in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays a um, it's he plays a a, a young. The only, the first uh, Gaijin journalist on a big Tokyo Daily who's mm-hmm. trying to cover the t- the crime beat and and just being put off at every turn by all the rules and and regulations. It's all of these, you know. It's very interesting. Uh, the Gilded Age and and this too. Everybody's trying to live inside the rules and and trying to. Uh, uh, not get in trouble or they're trying to escape and, and push the boundaries. And he's trying to do that. And um, Ken Watanabe, who I adore is, is the, his, his parallel, uh, his, 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 the, the man who's a cop, who's also feeling those feelings that he can't do his job because he's, he's constantly playing by the rules. So th- I'm enjoying this, this series uh, quite a bit. The first episode beautifully directed by Michael Mann, um, yeah, so that was fun to see. I've heard, I've heard mixed things on that. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, when a lot of people have mixed responses to it, it's hard for me to commit the time, which is always an issue with TV. Or it's just too much to watch. So if you hear anything negative, but I mean, I've been going through Atlanta, I've been watching Barry these are such great engrossing shows. So it's really hard for me to then squeeze in something else. But, you know, the one 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 I've been, oh, I've been catching up on Yellowstone uh, in hopes of talking to uh, Taylor Sheridan, who I've interviewed a few times for his movie Westerns. But he has a bunch of uh, series Westerns on right now. So the show you need to make, make time for full stop is Severance. This is such a good show and such a great win for Apple in the aftermath of Coda to have a TV show on par with, you know, something that that was as good enough to win best picture. I mean, it's Ben Stiller directing a kind of sort of sci-fi office satire of sorts. But I mean, the premise of the show is basically in the future, you can sign up for this company where you can sever yourself. So when you go to your job during the day, you don't remember who you are. And, and when you come home at the end of the day, you don't remember what you did. So it's, it's for, for people who just, they want to sever themselves from their working life. But then it raises these questions of free will because the severed person at their job is not choosing to be there. And it's just, it's such a great sort of metaphor yeah, for all this stuff. Yeah. It, but Ben Stiller is, has been building up to this 
you know, he did the Escape from Dannemora stuff. I love that series. And I thought he did a a remarkable job with it. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. I've been building up to this for for a while. Well, let's, um, I, 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 while we indulge our our, uh, Jones for TV, we're also catching up with what's coming up at Cannes. And we will be reporting more about that. Yeah. Next, stay tuned next week. That'll be our our final pre-Cannes episode. and, And we'll see where it takes us. All right, Ann. See you soon. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.